We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, we're on the third day of NBA free agency, and the Nets continue to make moves. How are we doing today? Welcome to Brooklyn, Lonnie Walker the fourth. Yeah, uh, a great fit with the team. We're going to jump into that in plenty more. Make sure you check out the buzz on all streaming platforms. Also hit that subscribe button, drop a review. Also give us a follow on Instagram at Brooklyn Buzz Pod. But Jack, let's talk Lonnie Walker. Let's talk Lonnie Walker signing to the Nets on a one-year vet minimum deal. A nice little upside play for by Sean Marks. Nick, what were your reactions when you saw this signing? Yeah, I thought this was a great signing. You know, this is someone we've, you know, hinted at a couple times in some of the recent podcasts in regards to free agency and free agent targets. Um, the Nets clearly needed some athletic pop and scoring, and he brings that. You know, he showed improvements with the Lakers last year. He can get downhill. He can create for himself. Uh, seems to be very active in transition, likes to get out and run. You know, shot 36 for, 36% from three on over four attempts. A career high in terms of uh, catch and shoot numbers, shot 38% from three on catch and shoot and on wide open look shot 43%. Still a little inconsistent though, you know, hot and cold three point shooting. Uh, his shot diet also improved last year and defensively he's shown flashes of being a high effort guy, but also has shown flashes of just being disengaged a little bit. So overall, you know, a young player that can definitely improve on the nets and fits what they need right now. Yeah, only 24 years old, so I kind of like, you know, you combine this with Dennis Smith Jr., you sort of got the defensive play with Dennis Smith Jr. and the offensive play of Lonnie Walker. They sort of balance each other out, and look, we'll discuss the rest of the roster going forward. But if you're looking at, as we alluded to with Dennis Smith Jr., you're signing a guy to a vet minimum that I think is going to exceed the value. We spoke about, you know, value contracts quite a bit on the Cam Johnson episode that we did. I think both of these guys are going to exceed the vet minimum value. Like, even if the Nets don't make the playoffs or they do make the playoffs. I think these both of these guys can have some sort of a role. We saw Lonnie Walker, you know, in games two and games four against the Golden State Warriors, you know, in game four, that 15 point fourth quarter, won them the game. And and that's all you need from from a role player every now and then. Just a, a bit of a spark off the bench. And he certainly personifies that. I think his shot making and his maturity is sort of coming all together, becoming a more complete player. I sort of worry a little bit about the the defense, but you know, that's what you got Tennis Smith Jr. for. So yeah. and I, I like the sort of 
we spoke about upside sort of guys and we didn't have Dennis Pitcher and your Lonnie Walker on this list because we were much higher on like, you know, your Kamingas, your Kyra Lewis's, those sort of guys. But both of these guys still have that because they are by no means a finished product when it comes to, you know, where they are as NBA players, you know, mid 20s, you sort of find your, your peak around your late 20s, 28, 29. So if Lonnie Walker can have a big season, he'll earn himself a big payday. Same with Dennis Smith Jr. But yeah, I think the consistency from threes where he can be a weapon, a real you know, offensive engine where the Nets lacked that a little bit last year. You know, the Nets sort of had Seth Curry sort of as that sort of role last year. And I think there's something to sort of look into a little bit with Lonnie Walker's uh, injury concerns at times. You know, he gets, you know, I think it was a bit of knee tendonitis last yep. year. So if he's healthy, that's going to be a great thing. And obviously, you know, he's not in, He's not 34 years old. You know, we might be analyzing this from a different perspective if that were the case. But this is a nice flyer. And I think he can genuinely contribute for the Nets. I think a lot of people, even me to an extent, are thinking, well, does this mean just Cam Thomas keeps getting buried and buried and buried? Maybe, maybe not. But I think Lonnie Walker is a better player than Cam Thomas in terms of just his ability to produce within a team setting. Yeah. And Cam Thomas can can get there. You know, he was a good catch and shoot player last year. But in saying that, you know, Lonnie Walker is only a couple of years older than, than Cam Thomas. I think that competition can breed, you know, a bit of, you know, competitiveness, hopefully. And hopefully both of these guys can contribute because both of these guys have really high level offensive skills. Yeah. And I think one of the bigger differences for Lonnie Walker is his athleticism, you know, his ability to get downhill and also play above the rim. And we mentioned that with Dennis Smith Jr. You know, Lonnie Walker is a guy that can throw down a dunk. And like I said, you know, a lot of his highlights came in transition, constantly looking to get out to run. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how it impacts Cam. Like you mentioned, you know, Lonnie Walker as uh, a guy that kind of understood playing his bench role last season with LA, you know, can Cam make those adjustments to play within the team? We'll see what happens as the season progresses or, he could still potentially be traded over the course of the next month or two before the season starts. So I wouldn't rule that out. But again, this is, you know, much needed offense for this Nets roster. And not to say Lonnie Walker is going to be a savior or he's an all-star level player, but he's a guy that can definitely contribute offensively off the bench. Nick, do you, do you think this sort of signals a semi-direction for where the Nets are heading and how they're filling out their roster? Obviously, you know, we've seen different iterations of the roster construction under Sean Marks. You know, we've had our misgivings about it. too many bigs, too many guards. We might even say there might be too many guards now. But in terms of the profile of player, the age demographic of the player, are we seeing little signs here and there from Sean Marks and how he's building this roster, so to speak? For sure. I think, you know, we talked about it going into this offseason. You know, if the Nets weren't swinging for a superstar going full rebuild, they needed to take a swing on a couple upside guys. You know, Lonnie Walker's a young guy that, like we mentioned, has athleticism, can apply rim pressure. And I think, you know, in terms of style of play, the Nets wanted to get more athletic and they wanted to get more active in transition. You know, we saw it after the trade deadline, they tried to run a lot, a lot, a lot, but maybe they didn't necessarily have the skill sets to do that. You know, Lonnie Walker fits that, Dan Smith Jr. fits that, and now all of a sudden they can change kind of the style of play which they have. And like I mentioned, Lonnie Walker has been inconsistent defensively, but has shown flashes of being, you know, high effort on that end. So if the Nets can just play, you know, very active defensively, force some turnovers, get out and running, you know, that helps alleviate some of the offensive shortcomings of this roster you know if they're able to you know average a decent amount of points in terms of fast break points now all of a sudden the half court offense doesn't necessarily have to be as good or it's not as much pressure on you know Mikel creating or Spencer Dinwiddie or somebody along those lines yeah so I think that in terms of just having just guys that again 
I'm gonna I'll bring my simplistic and reductive nature to it all. Guys, I can just hope. I think both of these, yeah. Dennis Virginia and Lonnie Walker, can do a little bit more than probably what they've shown. And, and depending on the opportunities that will be given to them by Jacques Vaughn, whether defensively or offensively, I think we could get some games from them. You know, Lonnie Walker last season had you know eight games, you know, above twenty points or more. And then if we're looking at fifteen or more, he had. Let me take a look at that. 22, 22 games of his 50, 56, 56. So like. If when he's healthy and he's yeah. given a shot, this guy can score, man. He scored 15 and in that playoff game against the Warriors, you know, in the fourth it, quarter. You know, that and was it won huge. the game. Yeah. It won the game, as we alluded to earlier. So I think that this guy can score. Can he do the rest of the other things, or will the roster be built enough around him? Because he's a good athlete, like 6'10 sort of wingspan. So maybe in the right system, you know, the Nets might have the right system for him to sort of, you know, thrive a little bit more defensively. Because defensively, he has, you know, some some tools, but hasn't really shown all of that just yet. His scoring really does shine, and that three point shooting really becoming consistent, as you alluded to those statistics earlier, is going to be really positive for the Nets. So I think the way this roster is being filled out. Is is a nice little sign, you know, the age demographics fitting together. These guys in their mid twenties, Mikael Bridges, you know, mid to late twenties, Cam Johnson, mid to late twenties, you know, Dennis Smith Jr. So I, I I don't mind that. I, I don't mind it at all, especially if you're not going to be contending. And I don't think the Nets will be. You know, the Dame Lillard stuff we can discuss a little bit later on. But if you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, JJ Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their career to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, JJ breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There are still some gaps, Nick, and I know that you and I have had our we, we listened to a few of our ups, our specific sort of pods where we speak about guys that are realistic targets. 
where we can talk about stretch bigs, the Nets still need a stretch big, Nick. Yep. And if the Nets hypothetically, Tyler Hero, Anthony Simons, and add another big that can shoot the three ball at a semi-decent level, I don't mind this roster. Yeah, definitely. I think the the last piece right here is at least, you know, a stretch big. And also maybe another forward if they end up trading Dorian Finney-Smith or Royce O'Neal, you know, which seems kind of likely at this point that one of those guys could be dealt, you know, this summer or at the trade deadline. But like you said, you know, finding a stretch big, you know, um, I know you mentioned, you know, Lonnie Walker on the minimum. There is a possibility he could have used a partial amount of the mid-level exception. I'm not 100% sure, and we probably won't be sure on that until we get more details. Um, and again, if the Nets use the full mid-level exception, which they probably did not for Lonnie Walker, they probably used a portion of it. And unless they use the whole thing, they'd be hard capped. But if they use up to the amount that the taxpayer mid-level exception is, they would not be hard capped. So they could use a small portion for Lonnie Walker and then potentially- That's about use... 6 million, Nick? Yeah, a little million. bit under 6 million. I think it's closer to five this year with the new CBA. Um, and they could break that up and use, you know, some for Lonnie Walker, some for Mobamba, or, you know, one of those guys could be on vet minimum. So again, the contract details are already always hard to know until they start, you know, coming out a couple of weeks later. But Mobamba would be a guy that both you and I have really liked, or as we've mentioned before, using the trade exception, which doesn't impact any of the hard cap stuff. And all of a sudden, you know, you trade for Bobby Portis, who's been mentioned in some trade rumors, or Kelly Olinick, because, you know, who knows what Utah's really doing there. And I think, um, just giving a quick update where the Nets are because we did get a slight update on the Dennis Smith Jr. contract, which reportedly at first was like 2.1 million is up to 2.5 million. So the Nets have about 13.9 million underneath the luxury tax without including the Lonnie Walker contract because we have no idea how much it is. Yeah, and look, those were things that we uh, assumed the, the number we yeah. sort of guessed when we were speaking on the last episode. So look, uh, I think that's, Bobby Porter's, you know, there's been links, you know, amateur NBA analyst is, is dropping dimes on the timeline. So make sure you're following him for stuff. But he mentioned Bobby Porter's could be in some trade stuff because of the Brooke Lopez signing, which was, you know, hefty in terms of the, the cap hit. And, and that could be an opportunity yeah. for the Nets to strike, whether the, the Bucks feel they want to do it to a fellow Eastern Conference team. I don't know, but I'd, I'd really enjoy having a crazy eyes on our team. We've yeah. discussed him quite a bit, but we'll see. It's just... I, I don't want to be left wanting by the end of the this the free agency and trade period and go, man, okay, so we've got Daron Sharp and Nick Claxton and Noah Clowney as our yeah. bigs. And there's just a clear gap, especially if you are wanting Ben Simmons to contribute at some level. Having a stretch big has proven to have success for him. And again, this is a couple of seasons ago with the different Ben Simmons that we have now, but even the Ben Simmons in his in his current iteration, like uh, just get a stretch big, like just we the Nets desperately need it. Whether it's the lowest version of it with Mike Muscala or the highest version of it with Kelly Olynyk and Bobby Portis, uh, and then somewhere in between with the Amo Bamba sort of filling out the roster. But the Lakers have, have seen to have shown a, a level of interest in bringing him back, whether it's him or Tristan Thompson. Hopefully, it's. Tristan Thompson, but in saying that, that is a clear need. And hopefully tomorrow when we're speaking, Nick, or the days going forward, we are speaking about a stretch big being added to the Nets roster. Yeah, and also Dario Sarek hasn't officially signed with the Warriors. It's been rumored that he's very likely. You know, maybe that could potentially be something, but obviously Golden State a little bit more attractive if you're trying to contend. But again, I, I really like the idea of Mo Bamba because it's also a guy that is another upside swing. You know, there's a lot of potential there for him to be an impact player, you know, not only offensively with his three-point shot, but defensively with his length if he can, you know, kind of just get his game even more polished. 
Let's move on to more of the Tyler Hero, Damian Lillard stuff. Not a heap, really, progression since our last pod, but Vyan Begley, who reported about the, the Tyler Hero stuff in the first place, and as we alluded to, Ian Begley can be not as reliable as your Wojers and your Shams, but you still listen nonetheless. He said this, I don't know if talks progressed, but the Nets would have received Tyler Hero as a third team in the trade. They presumably would have also received draft picks for helping to facilitate the deal. If that were the case, Nick, you almost do that in a heartbeat if you get compensation as well, because I think Tyler Hero has value at his number. But if you're getting draft comp as well, it's as we spoke about in the last episode. If you are giving up as the picks that you spoke about on the previous episode, I won't say them. Go listen to the episode if you want to get a deep dive onto what we think Tyler Hero is worth. Then you just do it in a heartbeat. But I don't know if that's totally true because I think Sean Marks is smart enough to go, yeah, he you're giving us a couple of firsts or a lot of nice seconds for taking on Tyler Hero and facilitating this deal to help him get to, to Miami. Let's do it. But then we also heard Woj, who was essentially just a mouthpiece for GMs these days. The Blazers are looking to put him in any sort of team. So uh, a lot of it is just noise again. Some of it's noise that's worth listening to. This sort of noise by Ian Begley is noise that intrigues me though, Nick. Yeah, this would be some positive music. I I, I feel like... It doesn't seem true. It just doesn't seem like the Nets would get extra picks here because obviously the whole point of the third team is to kind of create some more compensation for Portland. I don't think Kyler Hero is being viewed as a bad contract. You know, makes $27 million this year, 29 the next year, 31 and 33 You know, I think that's perfectly fine, especially with the cap number the Nets have Cam Johnson at. You know, it kind of aligns with some of the this the cap increase that's going to happen over the course of the next couple of years. You know, we're not going to necessarily see that. What I hear, Nick, from different sources is a 5% raise next year, then 10% following that as the new TV deal starts yep. to kick in. So the way we start thinking about these deals and maybe the Cam Johnson one as well, we might have to change our thinking somewhat because if the salary cap is increasing by a significant number and 5% is not as significant as 10%, but in saying that, you know, if it increases over the next four years of that Cam Johnson deal, the Tyler Hero deal, these might start to look like more valuable contracts than we think that they are. Yeah, I think also it's important to note, like you said, you know, it's not going to have that massive, you know, jump like we saw in 2016 where Timothy Moskov and Luel Deng got ridiculous contracts. It's going to be the NBA has decided with the new CBA is to kind of smooth it out. So even if there's a drastic jump in income, it's not all going to come in one season. Like you said, I think the max jump it will have from season to season is 10%. You know, moving forward. So you mentioned you know five, then ten. I think it'd be ten, ten, ten. You know, moving forward with the new TV deal. But it's also important to know that while the salary cap will increase, so will contracts. So your superstar contracts, a lot of max deals are connected to a percentage of the cap rather than an actual number. So at the same time where you know some of these deals are better, now it's also important to note that if we're looking to add a superstar level player, which everyone knows you need a tier one player if you want to compete for a championship you're talking about 50, 60 million dollars. You know, you're not talking about 40 or low 50s. You're talking about high 50s, 60s, you know, like we've alluded to with the later dates on some of those Damian Lillard deals. So that's important to note too. And when it comes to roster construction, it's not just as simple as like, oh, the cap's going up so we can give everyone more money. It's still at the same time being important that you have to be able to build the roster out properly. And now there's more restrictions when you get higher. You know, when you get to the tax apron one, it's limiting things you can do when you get to tax apron two, it's limiting even substantially more things you do. So now there's more of a benefit for staying under those numbers where in the past, there really wasn't much punishment if your owner was willing to pay the repeater tax. 
Yeah, and as we've alluded to, there's a lot of moving pieces with Dorian Finney-Smith, Royce O'Neill, the Damian Lillard stuff. We'll see how it all pans out going forward. And when Mikel it comes Bridges to will that, be due for a new deal in two years. Yeah, that as well. And what he, you know, he, he could get, it'll be interesting to see because with what we've seen with Desmond Bain, uh, the the likes of Tyrese Halliburton, those sort of things. So it'll be interesting to see whether he's just like tied, like if he's an all-star, is that something where... You know, there's there's little triggers here or there that could get him towards is he all NBA, which you know would mean a, a higher percentage. You know, I, I want Mikael Bridges to go really really well. And I wish him all the best, but yeah, the, the the cap machinations make me scratch my head, Nick. I know you, somehow you conveyed and, and communicated in a really easy to digest way, but I'm still scratching my head about it. But you know, I'm keeping up, and every single year, every single week, something new comes out. And speaking of that, we spoke about Daniel a little little bit. Not necessarily news, so to speak, but just one Ryan more note on the Mikel thing, Jack, just so people don't get confused. When I say two years, you know, in 25, 26, he could be uh, get a new extension, and then 26, 27, he becomes a free agent, just to clarify that. And he, like you said, he's going to get a, a large increase. You know, he's on a steel contract for the next couple of years, but he's going to see proud, he's going to make double the money in which he's double now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's pretty That's easily, a- too, because we know how much he's valued across the league with this two way ability. Exactly. Uh, speaking of guys who we're still thinking about what their value is and whether the Nets are thinking about their value uh, towards is Damian Lillard. And we we saw Brian Lewis speak to the New York Post in a little bit of an interview. And he sort of said, and the reason why we're semi-reporting this is because Brian Lewis has very strong ties to the Nets organization, Joe Sy probably in particular when it comes to, to reporting. And he sort of alluded to that the Nets might be calling on Damian Lillard in terms of you know, the, the desire to trade for him. Is that, do you think that's accurate, Nick? Do you think this is a, a quote unquote, a play by the Nets? It's it's hard to sort of analyze it and sort of read where the Nets stand with Damian Lillard. It seems to me that the Heat have a, a strong desire and a, a very heavy interest. The Nets did like just a couple of weeks ago, it feels like. And now it's just like, okay, we're going, let's go the, the facilitator sort of role. Uh, I'm, I'm just finding it really hard to read where the Nets stand in the Damian Lillard sweepstakes. Yeah, I think it's definitely, it could go either way. You know, this could be a play right now because the Nets have great experience with this type of situation last year with Kevin Durant, who wanted to go to the Phoenix Suns. And that was the number one team on his list. You know, the Nets, similar to the Blazers right now, said, oh, you know, we're open to business with all the teams across the league. You know, how how is it all going to play out? Are they getting low ball offers? Can the Nets come in? And just throw a pretty good offer, you know, maybe not the best offer they can do. And then that might entice the Blazers. And as we mentioned on previous shows, the Dame has talked about the Nets at first. He was on the Nets were on his list. So it's really hard to gauge. And I think you could look at the free agent signings in both ways. You could look at them as potentially being low numbers that could be steals and really showcase a production this year. Or they could just signal that, hey, the Nets are leaning into upside guys that aren't proven NBA players because maybe if they're going for name, they would be looking at more like the veterans that, uh, you know, the Phoenix Suns are signing, something along those lines. So definitely hard to pre- uh, predict right now, but I, I definitely think it could go either way, given the Nets' experience. I don't think they'll ever, they won't truly be out of the sweepstakes until Dame is finally traded. I think there's still plenty of movable contracts and also all the different draft picks on the Nets. And I think July 6th would signal something a little bit more because that's when a lot of the deals the Nets made, you know, including Joe Harris and Patty Mills, who now is going to OKC, uh, will be finalized most likely. Grizzlies, wasn't it? I thought it was, yeah, it was well, OKC. no, no. Yeah, initially it was Rockets, then it was Grizzlies, and now it's OKC. 
Nick, you got to let me know this stuff, mate, <laughs> when I'm sleeping, especially. No, but in, in saying that, obviously, that's uh, an ancillary sort of detail. The one thing that I think of, as hearing you sort of speak makes me think about just my personal opinion on this all is that I want the Nets to either be a facilitator and get something out of this deal or to go for Damian Lillard because that that signals a, a, a form of a direction. If we go into next season and, you know, add Lonnie Walker, add Dennis Smith Jr., and Spencer Dimity still our lead offensive creator, then I'm just like, okay, and we could have had a Tyler Hero or an Anthony Simons or a Damian Lillard. Then it's just like, okay, you're banking on either upside with Tyler Hero and fitting the timeline with Anthony Simons, those sort of guys. You're trying to contend or be that sort of range where with Damian Lillard, you know, you've got a, a couple of years sort of window for a possible championship, I'm not saying that it's guaranteed. But if you do neither of those things and you're just like, let's just sit in the middle and go, let's dip our toe in, but not actually dive into to the deep end then you're doing nothing and you're directionless i think nick so i'm not sure if i'm the bit overreaction i'm overreacting a little bit to if the nets were to just stand pat and they'll be okay and they'll get some upside for cam thomas next year and spencer dimwitty and you know we should be patient with dfs and royce and Hill, which we'll discuss you know towards the end of the episode but i think the nets need to be involved in this dang deal one way or another yeah i think they have obviously been active in it. I think it's a matter too of, you know, does the deal make sense? You know, are they asking the Nets to give up too much compensation compensation to acquire Tyler Hero? Potentially. So I think like we've talked about on the previous show, it's all about the value and making sure the deal makes sense too, not just kind of, you know, helping Miami or Portland just to get Tyler Hero and send out a ton of assets that could potentially have more value down the line. And Jack, just a quick update. You were correct. Uh, via Nets Daily, Lonnie Walker is signing for the veteran minimum, which I think, makes that deal even better. You know, that's even more of a positive. And I think it kind of makes sense for him now. You know, it, it stinks for the Nets on one hand, but it's positive on another. You know, the positive thing is obviously it's not a big cap hit and it helps them stay under the luxury tax. But on the negative side, you know, they're not going to get bird rights or anything like that. So they would have to use cap space to sign him next year if he really pops off. And that's the same thing with Dennis Smith Jr. Yeah, and, I, and at the end of the day, I think it's it's – it's value for both sides in, in yeah. some way or another. So, but and uh, I probably think playing the, time was guaranteed to an extent, not obviously like, Oh, you're playing 25, 30 minutes, but like there'll be an opportunity for you to win a spot in this rotation. Yeah. And situation, you know, he probably yeah. has a desire to be in Brooklyn slash New York, which would appeal to him as well. I think that that's where the Nets have an advantage over other teams. You know, okay. See Charlotte, these sort of teams who might not necessarily have the desirable market, but I wanted to, you know, preface some of my thoughts I alluded to earlier with the Damian Lillard stuff that Anthony Simons, Tyler Hero getting involved in that deal. One way or another, they need to make a significant upgrade at guard. And the other way they can do that is, I think as you alluded to, Nick, that new TPE they could use on a DeJounte Murray. Like I want the Nets to add one of the four guards, high upside guards that we've sort of spoken about. Murray, Lillard, Simons, Hero. If they had any of those four and guys we next Sexton season, is potentially, or also one of those Orlando guys. Yeah, and look, th those are lower tier guys in, in, to an extent. So maybe I have maybe a greater desire for, you know, you'd probably say Sexton's a tier below, Colin Anthony's a tier below that, and next to sort of Jalen. Fultz is kind of maybe. close to those guys, I think, because he has a more two way ability than pretty much everyone mentioned. I'd say Fultz is probably a on the same level as Sexton, maybe a little bit above because of his yeah. two-way ability. And I think he has a more upside than Sexton because of, you know, the issues he's dealt with early in his career. 
yeah, there's a lot of untapped sort of offensive yeah. upside for him, especially with the three ball and what he showed at college. So uh, uh, one way or another, Nick, and I, I want the Nets to make a significant upgrade at the guard position. We That might be... Look, I'll ask you, do you think that it's more of a pressing need that they do that or sign a stretch big? Because for me, stretch bigs sort of fill out the roster and I think filling out the roster would be a nice little thing. And if hypothetically the Nets were to just add Bamba and keep things as they were, I'd be happy enough. But I'd be over closer to overjoyed if they were to add one of the four guards and, and maybe those lesser guys that we alluded to. I'd be even happier because I think offensive creation for yourself and others is just so it's invaluable to a team it might be the most important thing whether you are a guard or a wing that can do that yeah, Mikael Bridges has shown a little bit of it but the Nets need someone to support Bridges Cam Johnson and those guys in doing that yeah I think it's a really interesting discussion because it's kind of spacing versus creation and obviously more spacing makes creation easier but creation is necessary to utilize spacing so it's like kind of finding a balance between those two i think stretch 5 is more of a short term need you know regardless of kind of who's on the roster if you really are trying to get the best of ben simmons you know which is we don't really know what the nets think of him right now um you want to have a stretch 5 because obviously that would utilize him a little bit more and potentially utilize uh Dennis Smith Jr a little bit more but in terms of uh, the long term goals and kind of a direction for the team i think you know, finding a young, talented guard is substantially more important for the long-term goal. So ideally, you love to do both things. And I think the Nets put themselves in a position where they took and, you know, taking these small risks for guards that maybe could prove to be, you know, rotation pieces down the line for this team, but they haven't really gotten a guy unless it's Cam Thomas that can develop into being, you know, a starting level player to fringe all-star guy. And I think all the stretch bigs, other than probably Mo Bamba, who maybe could potentially be a long-term rotation piece, would just be kind of a stopgap at that position. So, you know, I think looking at it, you know, you'd be willing to use real assets to, you know, grab a young guard. And in terms of the stretch five, you're kind of looking to do it, you know, for the cheap, cheap, either in free agency or just kind of being a, a salary cap saver for somebody else. Yeah, hopefully it's both. Hopefully both need. Yeah, um, I mean, that would addressed. be awesome. That'd be the, 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 the end goal at the end of the day, but... There's still plenty of time to play out over the, the coming days and weeks with free agency, but something's happening every day, it seems. Like. And, and we got some more news around DFS and Royce O'Neill, and this is uh, via Michael Scotto at Hoopsite. The Nets have been unwilling to move Royce O'Neill without the equivalent of a first-round pick in return or Dorian Finney-Smith without the equivalent of two first-round picks, league sources told Hoopsite. Now, I think Sean Marks is telling hoops hype there. It, it seems to yeah. me, it's just like, you guys aren't giving us a first. You guys aren't giving us two firsts. We're hanging up the phone. And that was reiterated. This has been reiterated after what we heard around the draft as well. It was the same sort of thing. Yep. So and that was via Zach Lowe. That, and that was via Zach Lowe. So like Zach Lowe said it, Mike Scotto said it, via Sean Marks, it seems pretty <laughs> obviously. So I think that, the Nets might be slow playing this to some form. I know you alluded to, and I've alluded to at different points that, you know, these guys could be just traded at the deadline as well. If they sort of keep one or both of them, I don't want them to be Nets long-term. I think you need to get a bit of value for one or either of them. And look, the dream scenario is Washington Hill for Kaminga and a pick or something like that, or DFS in, in some sort of deal as well to free up some cap space, which allows you to be under the luxury tax to acquire Tully Hero or Anthony Simons. But yeah, it, it maybe if the Nets trade for Damian Lillard, then it's like, well, you want to have a DFS yeah. and or Royce O'Neal on this team. So yeah, it's it's because there's so many moving parts where the Nets currently stand, Nick, and they're you know, key drivers of free agency and, and trade during this season. 
it's hard to sort of analyze it all, but you know, we're just getting more reiterated news for, via different sources now. Yeah, I think it's also important to note, like you said, Jack, that they could move them at the deadline. Both guys are on good contracts. You know, not, we're not talking about huge numbers to match. You know, Royce will be nine point five million when his contract's guaranteed. Uh, DFS is at what we talk, talked about a thirteen point nine, thirteen fourteen. Yeah. Yep. yeah, so those are very manageable for teams to trade for during the season. And I think at the end of the day, if it gets to the deadline, you know, the Nets will take whatever they can get for Royce. Dorian Finney-Smith, they could hold him to next offseason. He's under contract for a few more years. It's not like he's his deal is up right now. He's on contract until 25-26 with a player option, which he might accept, he might decline, depending on how his play is and how the market is. Honestly, the way the market's gone, I could potentially see him declining. So, you know, maybe the Nets are looking to move him. I'm not sure if they'll get a first for Royce. You know, I think I'd be happy with a swap for Royce. And I think getting a good first for Dorian Finney-Smith would be ideal. I don't I don't need two first. Just give me one that actually is going to have some level of value and not be like 28, 29 to 30. Yeah, I think it, it's it's going to be about the nature of these things. Obviously, the, this is what the Nets ideally want. Yeah. What are they going to get in return? Less than that. Something you know, in between. Apparently, at the, yeah, something in between. Apparently, at the draft, the Nets were offered those things, but they had to take on money as well. You know, obviously, there's a there's a two way sort of street. You can't get everything that you sort of want unless you find a a team that's willing to sort of do that. But yeah, I think that there's an ideal sort of scenario where, like I mentioned, Royce and Jonathan Kaminga and a pick is the ideal one. But you know, Royce and Neil for Zaire Williams has been sort of thrown out yeah. there as well. You know, he sort of was a first round pick, high upside at the wing sort of position. You sort of replace the wing, as we alluded to, if that's sort of where you get the Tyler Hero to sort of feel the, and it's sort of like the, the young, slowish sort of build. We'll see how it pans out. There's a lot of different paths the Nets can take as free agency and the trade season continues to roll on Nick. Yeah, and essentially right now, one roster spot with more potentially coming, depending on what they do with those guys. And like we said, ideally, you know, it's a stretch big Mo Bamba, somebody we brought up and, it seems, you know, somewhat realistic. But Jack, anything else before we get out of here? Summer League's also happening soon, Nick. No plan. <laughs> yeah. We've got the roster for that one as well. David Duke Jr. is going to be part of the the squad. So we haven't had a chance to really dive yeah. deep into the Summer League uh, analysis. But you better believe it. When, you know, some of the fun episodes we've done over the past couple of years, you know, Cam Thomas, Summer League MVP, was, uh, was a lot of fun to sort of analyze his games as well. So look, there's going to be that to consider as well as part of our content creation and the podcast will be churning out but you know if you haven't listened to any of them like there's a plenty of we've done an episode every single day of free agency so if you got to catch up guys there's plenty of stuff for you there and pretty much one every day last week so there is literally plenty of content you know trade targets to draft deep dives with guests so check it all out jack always a pleasure big thanks everybody listening check the buzz on all stream platforms whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website 
are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.